Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. So on today's episode, I have with me a therapy peer, Melissa Carey Gutman. Uh, So Melissa, if you will uh, introduce yourself uh, to our listeners. Hi, everyone. So yes, my name is Melissa Gutman. I am a music psychotherapist, which means that I'm trained to use music and psychotherapy. I got my master's from NYU in music therapy and specialized in the use of the voice and singing and psychotherapy. And yeah, I have a a private practice based in New York City. I work with a lot of creative folks, helping them free their voice metaphorically and physically. And that's kind of who I am. Thank you. Thank you. We were just talking before we pushed record on how we got acquainted with each other on Instagram. I meet everybody on Instagram. And I think I I stalked your page for <laughs> a little bit and I just watched all your videos and your voice. It just, when I listened to your voice, I, I could feel it like in my body. And I said, oh my goodness, I need, I need to talk to her. I need to, I need to so I'm so glad that um, that we get a chance to talk and I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And, and thanks for saying that, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's actually a very high compliment because mm-hmm. a lot of the work I'm trying to embody is mm-hmm. literally just that, like you, you can channel your voice in an organic way that is emotionally and physically resonant for people, which is really what people want to hear. Um, you know, when I'm working with musicians, I mean, when I'm coaching or doing music therapy with, with musicians and performers, like people want to feel connected to you. Mm -hmm. Regarding your voice, what is your earliest memory of music that you noticed that you were attracted to, or that you really liked, you know, even as a kid, what music was kind of in your home? Mm -hmm. What was your earliest introduction to music? So my family's incredibly musical and I was blessed to be raised with it on blast constantly. I have parents who are boomers. So all that good Woodstock, soul, funk, classic rock kind of stuff. And also um, my, my brother and sister are Gen Xers. So I grew up on like grunge and like they were giving me like Alice in Chains records and stuff when I was like 12. So I had this beautiful combination of like Fleetwood Mac and, and uh, Nirvana and, you know, whatever was kind of mm-hmm. happening at the time. And so I considered myself pretty expansive. And a lot of kids my age in sixth grade were listening to like, you know, Ace of Base. And I was too, but I felt I was a little more worldly than that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so at what point did you realize within yourself, like, oh, wow. I have a voice. Yeah. How did that happen? Purely by accident, Tasha. So there's a lot of singers who grew up and they're like, I always sang and I loved it, but I was actually more of a dancer. I did like six dance classes a week. So I did like tap and jazz and I, I always loved music and embodied music in that way. But it wasn't until sixth grade, probably because we didn't have a band or a choir for some reason until then. 
and I was in the sixth grade choir and I remember singing Mariah Carey's Hero. Mm-hmm. And something just like clicked for me. Like, I really enjoy this. And it's funny too, because like as a music therapist, I look back now and I'm like, what was the context of that song? Like, the hero lies in you. It's like an empowering, beautiful song. So I almost wonder if that also connected. But from there, decided to um, switch to a school that did have choir and um, did music there, started taking voice lessons and getting involved in like musical theater shows and the rest is history. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And I just imagine the the joy in growing up with a musical family and just having that as an expression and growing up in a, um, you know, with a childhood where you're also learning ways to kind of cope with different things with the use of your body and dance and all of that. Yep. I mean, before you even knew that it, that there was like therapeutic, you know, use for, for dance that was accessible to you. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't think of it as therapy at the time, but Mm -hmm. now that I'm an adult, my favorite outlet is therapeutic dance classes. And there's quite a bunch of fantastic um, movement coaches. Um, I studied, trained with Bernadette Pleasant, who's an incredible somatic movement teacher. She has Mm -hmm. a a class called FEM and I trained with her and there's another beautiful one called Embody by Nadia Moonla. Like, you know, so an S factor pole dance, which is one of my favorite places to go because it's more like, um, sensual movement mixed with like therapeutic release. And so, yeah, anything like that really just connects for me. Hmm. Awesome. So we talked um, about what it means to to like lose your voice. Yeah. And as I'm thinking about that, and we know all the ways that people lose their voices. Did you ever have an experience and you don't have to go into detail on anything, but did you ever have an experience where you felt like maybe that you had lost your voice and then did you have to go on a journey of, of regaining it or finding it again? It might be more that singing was the first time I actually found it. I don't know that I ever really felt I had a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always way more compliant and people pleasing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so with singing, at first I didn't know that it was giving me a voice, but, but at some point it kind of connected for me when I did my training later on in life. And I was, you know, told, oh, your voice doesn't feel powerful because you haven't connected to your own power. So Mm. I hadn't been in touch with my emotional range, like my rage or my grief. And once I was able to emote, the voice just popped open. And so when people come to me and they're like, oh, I don't have a strong voice or I don't know. I'm like, "Mm, let's see about that. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's there. And so, yeah, I think singing really helps us to find our authentic personal voice. Oh, that is so powerful, especially um, when you said your authentic, the authentic part, mm-hmm. because so often people, when they're learning to find their voice, whether that's singing or just their voice overall, mm-hmm. they're imitating voices. <laughs> they're imitating the voice of someone else. That, oh, that they, good point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's so funny because that's a, that's a double-edged sword. Like when I'm teaching or when I'm a student, I've been told 
go check out this artist. I feel like they're in your vein that might help you find yourself mm -hmm. by kind of locating yourself in relation to this other artist's sound. But um, you're right, it can go too far. And I've worked with clients where they can't get out of the mold of sounding like their favorite artist growing up because it almost became an impression. And so it's like, that's beautiful. You have access to that tone, color, and possibility and kind of phrasing. But that shows that there's some either emotional or physiological disconnect from your raw voice because that's how you can shape the potential from kind of that baseline of like the ah like can you just do a basic plain sound and find find a choice from there i love the baby steps because as you're talking i'm thinking about people that i've worked with just on their childhood trauma stuff and and i've had a number of clients who are so gifted who say well i used to i used to sing i used to dance mm -hmm. i used to paint but I lost my confidence in it because of this trauma from my parents or my family or this thing. And so I don't do it anymore. I don't know how. So I love your process of, of starting small. Yeah. And I call that the origin story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every client I have has an origin story. And it's always like my teacher or my father. There was a point where they got rejected or wounded around the voice, either in terms of self-expression, non-musically or yeah. musically, right? And yeah. so what's interesting for me is like, my wounds were never really musical. I never had a teacher tell me I had no talent. I was told I had talent, but I still had insecurities my entire life about it because I didn't really feel that my own personal voice was, was validated. And like many of us, then we go on this lifelong journey of validating ourselves and really trying to find ourselves again after all of that. Yeah, one of my favorite ways to heal that actually was to just sing songs that matched the way I felt. That was like a revelation for me. So picking a song that matched my mood and my feeling, getting in touch with the lyrics and sing it, sing it over and over to myself so that I could actually feel that I was being mirrored by myself. And it was inherently validating to hear my own voice back. Mm. Melissa, I, I was just, as you were saying that, that mirroring, like listening to music, that mirrored how you felt mm -hmm. and instantly I, I I just thought about years ago I was so young and I was listening to Mary J Blige oh I love her <laughs> really do I hadn't I hadn't gone through the heartbreak that she was singing about this is when I was I wasn't even 20 yet I was probably 18 but I was very sad and so listening to Mary J and I remember just driving and just bawling, just crying my eyes out at her singing about her own heartbreak and loneliness and, and all of that, right? But needing, I, I needed her music to facilitate, you know, me being able to release that emotion. I think that's why people love sad songs. It gives us permission mm -hmm. yes. to find the beauty in our own sadness. Right, right, absolutely. So, um, to find their voice, which also improves their mental health, the part of their mental health that needs some, some mm -hmm. validation, some encouragement, yeah. uh, some acknowledgement. How would you say singing or, or music helps mental health? So singing's connected to our body, our physiology, right? So it mm -hmm. activates the vagus nerve, our parasympathetic relaxation response. So anytime we take those deep breaths and those long exhalations, singing is just an exhalation. 
it soothes the nervous system. So there's a use for it around anxiety. Mm-hmm. And then there's the emotional piece. So music connects to our emotion and memory centers. So if you are in talk therapy, which I know you're familiar with as another therapist, yeah. right? Sometimes yeah. people can get kind of stuck in the intellect. They're more in their head. And then if you ask them to bring in a piece of music or sing a piece of music, they're bawling. So it just unlocks something and gets us more into our creativity and more into our emotive selves. Hold on a second, Melissa. Wait a minute, because so I didn't know I didn't know any of this. Okay. But I was listening to, I don't know if you're familiar with uh she's she's an author. I don't know what else she does, uh a writer, but her name is Ashley Ford. I don't know her. I was following her on Twitter and um and then she taught this class on writing and she said, in order to facilitate memory, listen to some music that that go back to that point in time that mm-hmm. that that you were experiencing whatever thing and then you can write about it. But listen to music from that era. So when I wrote my memoir, when I was in the writing process, I listened to New Edition. I listened to Whitney Houston. Oh. And just listen to to all babyface um, music that was from that time period. Prince was huge, and so um, and as I was able to listen to the music, it almost it did something to my brain where it it created pictures, and then I could write and draw out this picture of this is who was in the room and this is what was happening. And this is what I was feeling. That's incredible. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, exactly. It evokes memories. Yes. So if you ever decide to do a course of some kind on music and writing, yes. That's good to You know. let me know. <laughs> and I, and you yes, got I, love all there. Those, I love all of those artists. When I was um, going through a depressive episode in my late teens, that babyface song, Don't Stress Out. And then, and then Stevie Wonder, Summer Soft. And yeah, so there's certain songs that were really like anchors for me. You feel free to just, if you, if you want to sing a little, a little tune of something, you just let me know because I'm just going to be sitting here and enjoying the free concert. You just, <laughs> just say the word. <laughs> so yeah, so I love, love, love that. Otherwise, how did you come to the point of, of wanting to integrate music and singing into therapy? So it happened to me. It's kind of like, I don't know, you hear about the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. I met my spiritual teachers and they were voice teachers who just happened to be very therapeutic and spiritual teachers. Like they both were actually also personal coaches and, um, were able to help me unlock my voice through working with my mindset. So I had this great performance coach named David Friedman, who's a Broadway conductor and composer. And he would teach me acting, you know? And and so the whole idea was like, if you really want your true voice to come out and your true self-expression, you have to really be in a real scenario. And mm-hmm. so I would envision someone in my life in front of me that I was singing to. And then I would like, start crying 
or I'd have these melodic ideas just come to me because in the moment you're more original because you're really you in that moment. And so it helped me learn how to improvise. It helped me learn how to connect my feelings to my voice, which is something that a lot of singers strive to do, but it's difficult for them sometimes. It depends if you learn in a very technical academic way, especially at a young age, if you're emotionally repressed or dissociated, which I was, you know, that's not always an obvious connection. And, and the people who grow up where you're like, oh, they're so talented, they're born a star. It's because they at some point knew how to do that. And it's more evocative for people when mm. they can hear the emotion in the voice. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. So for going back to like for, for people who feel like for whatever reason, they're not even sure if they have a voice anymore, that they're just not sure if, if that's there and if they can access it, or maybe they lack the courage to even try, you know, that fear, we have those parts. So what's, what's a piece of just encouragement or advice that you would, you would want to say to that person? Well, so you were born a singer. There's not a soul alive who isn't a singer period, end of story. So the part of you telling you you're not a singer is your inner critic. And that's not really like the truth, that's just a story. And so, and I even had to go through this again recently because I developed a condition that made it a little more difficult to sing. Maybe not difficult to sing, but it altered the way I had to sing. And it was new for me to find my voice again. And I have that voice in my head being like, well, you lost it. And then anytime I just be in my flow or meditative or in my emotions, or I go to a teacher who just has me think of something a different way and I unlock, it's always there. It's literally always there, but sometimes based on habit or our origin story that tells us we aren't yeah. good, that'll kind of like come back up again and repress us. So I think it's more like moving with the flow, like a keto, like, oh, there's some resistance or there's some barrier or there's a health con concern or an injury it's more about finding where the voice wants to be on that day and unconditionally loving yourself and giving permission to yourself to just meet it where it is without forcing it to be something it's not um, and then it'll open like a flower yeah I was just sitting here thinking about the beauty in having that person to say you know I don't know if I have it and then listening to you say no, 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 you were born with it. Yeah. <laughs> you were born with it. It's still there. That is a story. Mm -hmm. That's a story that's been created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we can acknowledge that, right? We, yeah. yeah, we can acknowledge that fear. We can hold space for that fear. Now getting into like IFS, right? Mm -hmm. Getting to know that that part that feels like that voice is not there. Right. So here's something cool about IFS integrated with vocal coaching or music therapy. It's you can work with the protective parts that inhibit you and create physical tension in the body. And you ask them to step back. Mm. And also the, the parts that are concerned, you can ask them what they're concerned about. And then they'll lead you to a story, the memory of when you were first told you weren't good. And then you can do healing and reparation on that because sometimes we think our current insecurities are just about the present, but they're loaded from the past. So anything that we went through will have this cumulative effect on our self-esteem, right? So working with the wound, the original wound, and then the protectors that had to block 
you, either through creating performance anxiety or physical tension or some other inhibition in the body, or like constant perfectionism and control in the mind. Constant perfectionism and control in the mind, as well as the insecurities, right? Yep. It's so important. This is why I say I'm at the point in my career where I rarely ever refer people to people that aren't therapists, that aren't IFS trained, because it's so important to get in touch and get to know these parts. Mm-hmm. And I often say to clients, oh, that's that thing you're talking about. That's a younger part that's speaking. Yeah. That's that's some childhood stuff that's happening. And is it okay to kind of get to know your younger self and see what else, what do they need from you? What is their concern? What is their fear? What is your fear of if you move your body? How old do you feel when that fear comes up? Ooh, that's a good question. Yes. How old do you feel? Um, Because whenever we start talking about our fears and what we can't do and what we're worried about, that's some younger shit that's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was happening in your life at that time? So once we do that work, this is why I so love internal family systems. Yeah. And you just asked some amazing questions that I'm going to write down. Seriously. Yeah. Um, Because it really helps you just kind of get right there. Like what actually is the problem? What is the thing in the way? Right. Um, And I like to say, you know, we talk about an IFS that we're all innately creative. Mm -hmm. We all have the eight C's inside Mm -hmm. creativity, connection, clarity, calm, all these beautiful qualities of self, our higher self energy. And so I like to think um, also the inner child, you know, when we get to the inner child, the inner child's creative. So Mm -hmm. have you ever met a three-year-old who doesn't bob up and down and, sing and play and clap their hands and Mm -hmm. you know at preschool or when they have a musician come to visit and play so the inner child wants to sing and so if we can have access to the inner child then the creativity flows it's nobody's not creative it's just that there's some block and then we can work with the block to get to that place my listeners and and people that know me know that i i'm a a trauma survivor childhood trauma survivor Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I reconnect and really nurture and love my inner child is through dance. Every day, I have a a specific playlist on Spotify that I listen to. Yeah. And and I dance. And so the thing that you just said about, have you ever met a three-year-old? You're not worried about who's looking and, 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 oh, what, what will people know? They're just living. They're just in the moment. They're exploring. Yeah. And they're feeling it, whatever comes up. And so if we can connect back to that, I feel like that's how I honor my inner child. This girl, we're going to dance today. That is something that was kind of robbed from me for for a bit. And so now I get to have that back. Um, and so I love this work of of doing the same things with clients saying, no, it's it's there. You were born with it. 
and you can have it back if that makes any sense. And I know, you know, to you that that does make sense. It does. I've always said it's an excavation. Mm -hmm. The voice is there. The creativity is there. The confidence is there. It's one of the eight C's. Mm -hmm. You have all of it, literally all of it. I think one of the biggest issues is when we approach singing or any creative modality from a place of lack, like I've got to go get that. And that's when singers push their voice really loud. They're like, oh, I'm going to be the loudest singer in the room because then you'll know I've got a great voice. And it's like, you didn't even have to do that. Or singers like, I'm going to hold my voice back because you don't think I'm good enough. It's like, once you kind of realize I have it, it's there, you can just be present, stand in your spot and deliver. Yeah, that's it. That's it. What do you know for sure about owning and finding your own voice? What do you know for sure? Okay. I want to say something about that already, which is that it's a being, not a doing. It's really less about, it's really less about finding. It's more about letting go of whatever you're holding on to, to protect yourself and feeling into that space and seeing what emerges. It's a being, it's not a doing. Mm -hmm. That is so beautiful and transformative because so often and not, not just for singing and dancing, but for most things in life, we go through life feeling as if we have to do more. We have to work harder. Mm. We have to try harder. And it's not what it's about. If you can release the control, the essential parts of self just naturally come out because self has no motive. Yes. And self just, so I notice whenever I'm in self energy, I'm, I'm just singing all the time. So even if I have a part that's like, your voice isn't good today or something where I'm feeling a little shut down, the minute I'm like feeling juicy after a dance class or I've meditated anytime I've done yoga, like, and my body is really like connected, I just start singing. It's almost like organically there. So I think sometimes it's less about how do I get myself to sing? It's more about like, well, let's look at why you aren't actually. Because it's, mm. it's there. It's going to happen on its own if you don't resist it. You don't resist it. So if you are listening to music and you would you want to move your body, mm-hmm. what kind of music are you listening to? R&B, usually. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually, for being a musician, it's hilarious. I'm really not that good at knowing current artists names you know because mm-hmm. i'm a little bit older so mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. now like a lot of it is just spotify mm-hmm. whatever spotify spoon mm-hmm. feeds to me and i i put it on and um you know as i told you i've done a lot of sensual movement and pull work so it's really just about like almost connecting my sensuality to my voice is a fun thing and to mm-hmm. my and to my dancing melissa i'm with you i feel like so i'm i'm 42 this year and and i just i don't know who the new and up and coming people are. They come on and I like them. I mean, yay, but I haven't, no. If we're talking, you know, 90s, 2000s, then that's. <laughs> there we go. I'm 38. So exactly. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like at some point, like you're cryogenically frozen after like 30 or something and you can't retain new. That's not true. I, I have a lot of friends who can like be like, oh, I love this band. And I'll be like, yeah. You know, I'm just like more of a dork about it. Like, oh, they sound cool. <laughs> you know. It does feel like we're cryogenically frozen, you know, sometimes <laughs> though. Um, 
And I didn't see myself going in that direction of not being able to recall what's trendy, what's popular. Yeah. But it happens. It happens to, to everybody. And this is this is who I am at, at this point. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, who or what makes you laugh? Mm, the first thing I thought of was my sister. My family is really funny. And it's hard to find friends who are as funny as my family. Mm-hmm. It happens every now and then, though. But yeah, I think I think of my sister. Yeah. Who or what inspires you? I would say my voice coach who helped me find my voice, Jennifer Hamity. She's still out there working and phenomenal person. Um, she inspired me both personally and vocally, and she does a like pretty similar work. Um, Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time. Mm-hmm.